Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Okie dokie, and so the uh, fun begins. Federal prosecutors have indicted Hunter Biden, the son of the president, on gun charges. He was indicted today in Delaware in a federal court on three counts tied to the possession of a gun while using narcotics. Two counts are tied to him allegedly completing a form indicating he was not using illegal drugs when he purchased a Colt Cobra revolver in October of 2018. The third count alleges that he possessed a firearm while using a narcotic. The indictment says Biden certified on a federally mandated form that he was not an unlawful user of and addicted to any stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance when, in fact, as he knew, that statement was false. Two of the counts carry a maximum prison sentence of 10 years, while the third has a maximum of five years. The historic indictment against the son of a sitting president comes after a plea deal that might have ended a years-long probe into him fell apart. And just as House Republicans have launched an impeachment inquiry in an effort to see bank records and other documents from the president and his son. Why do I get the feeling that this headline is never going to be realized and whatever you're thinking should happen or would happen to Hunter Biden isn't going to happen? I'm just saying, you've got Dan- David Weiss overseeing this case. Now, David Weiss, by the way, was a Trump appointee. They kept him on as the U.S. attorney for Delaware because he had started this investigation into the president's son, um, which this investigation is falls under the, the rubric of the Department of Justice, which is... Well, it's headed by the president. So Merrick Garland named Weiss special counsel when Weiss asked to be named special counsel back in August. Weiss declined to comment on the investigation when approached by NBC News Today just before the indictment was unsealed. This investigation began in 2018, which was the year before Joe Biden even announced that he was running for the presidency. And it had focused at that time on Hunter Biden's finances. Then magically, they had reached a plea agreement in July. And they were asking Hunter Biden to plead guilty in Delaware federal court to two misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes in return for prosecutors recommending a sentencing of uh, just probation. A separate felony gun charge for illegally owning the Colt Cobra 38 special handgun would have been dropped in two years if Hunter Biden honored the terms of what's now known as a diversion agreement. Of course, the plea agreement 
started to fall apart at the court appearance where they thought it was just going to get finalized, but the judge said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. These agreements are not straightforward and they contain some very unusual provisions. That was Judge Mary Ellen Norieka. She said, including one that could theoretically protect Hunter Biden from other tax-related crimes in the very same time period. So, uh, of course, the prosecutors said that the provision in the diversion agreement wouldn't protect him from different charges, but attorneys for Hunter Biden were saying, yes, it would. So Norieka, another Trump appointee, asked both sides for more information, and then the agreement, which, of course, people like me and the Republicans were calling a, a sweetheart deal, fell apart. Now Weiss's office has said that... Um, Without the plea agreement in place, there were venue issues, and the case would probably likely have to go to trial in California or Washington, D.C., and prosecutors also suggesting that they might bring different charges in the new case. So Hunter's attorney, Abby Lowell, argued the diversion agreement is still in effect because it had already been signed by his client and prosecutors and said it prevents any additional charges from being filed against Mr. Biden. We expect a fair resolution of the sprawling five-year investigation into Mr. Biden that was based on the evidence and the law, not outside political pressure, and we'll do what is necessary on behalf of Mr. Biden to achieve that. Now, the prosecutors are saying that's nonsense. There's no such agreement, and it didn't get a signature from the probation department, which would have been necessary. So we'll see. There's a statement of facts document that was included in the original gun case that said that uh, Hunter Biden was using crack cocaine during the period when he bought a revolver from a federally licensed firearms dealer there in Delaware in October 2018. And in that form that we all have to fill out. You are asked directly if you use illegal narcotics. He said no, even though he was a user of and addicted to crack cocaine at the time. Then he owned the gun for 11 days. And during that period of time, he purchased and used crack cocaine regularly. And the gun was later found in his car along with drug paraphernalia and was subsequently discarded in a trash can outside a supermarket in Greenville, Delaware. The White House has been pretty quiet about this whole thing, even though the uh, president was still defending his son back in May on MSLSD. First of all, my son has done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. Okay. Okay. Still proud of him, President Biden? Just wondering. I mean, for all the attacks against Donald Trump, I'm trying to remember the last time that we heard anything about one of his children doing anything unsavory, never mind illegal. I mean, they don't like that they're successful, but they certainly can't say, oh, yeah, Ivanka's a crackhead or, you know, <laughs> Eric or, or, or um, Donald Jr. or potheads or... Heroin addicts, never heard anything like that of you. No, it's because it's not true. But the president's son, if things were to go the way they would go for me or my son, you know, this 
this young person, this man, could get uh, 10 years in prison and like a quarter of a million dollars in fines. By the way, the indictment doesn't even have any tax crimes, which was what originally he was pleading to. What was the two charges of willful failure to pay taxes? They're not even in this. So we'll see. Now, the IRS agents who spoke to Congress about the investigation said that they had found strong evidence of tax crimes. These were the two whistleblowers. And they said that they were very aware of the fact that the Justice Department was slow walking. That was their term. You know, the whole thing because of their the father. And of course, we'll see. We'll see what happened. Uh, the attorney for Hunter Biden is not speaking yet. They got to get their they got to get their uh, ducks in a row. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people you know at home, have a, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's fixed it. He's worked on it, and I'm proud of him. The only thing I could tell you is people don't fix their drug problems. People do find recovery. People do become participants in some kind of recovery program. But we see absolutely no evidence of that in this case. You know, I don't know if, I guess he was in detox a few times, but that does, that's not the same. So we'll see. Meanwhile, what's going on in the House of Representatives? Hey, just as I predicted, you know, the uh, Kevin McCarthy just uh, is frustrated. You know, he's being accused of everything short of murder, actually. And now you're seeing trouble in paradise. He, he actually was very frustrated and got caught on mic dropping the proverbial F-bomb. During a closed-door conference meeting today, McCarthy addressed an uptick in threats from members to call a motion to vacate the chair, which was a move to force a vote on ousting him, getting him off the speaker's chair. If you want to file a motion to vacate, vacate he said, then file the effing motion. And that was told to the press by our representative, Brian Mast right after our representative, Matt Gates explicitly threatened to call a motion to vacate if he doesn't follow through with a number of the spending priorities and votes on bills that he's been promising the Freedom Caucus since January. I showed frustration, McCarthy said, because I am frustrated, frustrated with some people in the conference. Okay, now mind you, they leave today in a, you know, for Rosh Hashanah. And instead of, you know, cursing, maybe he should just do the right thing and start calling votes on balanced budgets, on term limits, on single subject spending bills, you know, all the things he promised the conservative caucus that he was going to do. Meanwhile, MTG, who has gone from being like one of my favorites to my least favorite congressperson, was just ousted from the Freedom Caucus a couple of weeks ago because 
she says, oh, conservatives are making demands and, and they, they're not even coming to meetings and we can't do our job if everybody doesn't show up to meetings. She was the one who was boycotting meetings just last year. So the group of conservatives who held up the action on the Pentagon Appropriations Bill today did so because they want McCarthy to give them some top-line figures for all 12 appropriation bills. They're not going to move forward. And these are the guys that I have a lot of respect for, Byron Donalds. The hardliners have said they're not going to move forward with this funding process until they see the numbers. And the Freedom Caucus is demanding policy conditions on any continuing resolution to fund the government relating to the border. I mean, what, why is this so controversial? I'm glad they're holding on. They say they've laid out these priorities for months. Well, guess what? The American people, me, you, we laid it out for years. We've been very clear that we're tired of uh, passing bills to take spending to like pre-pandemic, uh, you know, uh, post-pandemic spending. We should go back to pre-pandemic spending. They've been working on this since last, I don't know, March, May, April, somewhere. We need to pass all 12 of our bills, Bob Good from Virginia said. And we also need to do them at the committed 2022 levels that we agreed to in January and that we all voted for in April and send it to the Senate and then the Senate should do its job and avoid a government shutdown. So, you know, when he was asked about this, about the Freedom Caucus request, he said, well, McCarthy said, we provided those things for the last three months. What nonsense. We want funding caps in a debt limit increase bill. That's all. And meanwhile, the Democratic-controlled Senate just keeps spending and spending and spending. They're passing spending bills at higher levels than the House, setting up what even Mitch McConnell called a pretty big mess. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. If McCarthy's goal is to pass all 12 appropriations bills and then get into negotiations with the Senate about spending levels, guess what? I don't think the Freedom Caucus is going to go along with it. And I say bully for them. I'm on their side in this. Brian Mass, Byron Donalds. It's about time. Matt Gates, do it. Stop being afraid of shutting down the government. I think we should shut it down. Like quasi-permanently. How about that? A lot of agencies we could shut down right now and we wouldn't miss them. So don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you could look at all of the news and hear all the podcasts and get updates on storms and all that cool stuff. Or visit our website, 850WFTL.com, and you can participate in contests and find out what kind of cool stuff we have going on. And I'll be, uh, I'll be right back. So I was uh, thinking about how there's so many people that are so out of touch with what most of us Americans are thinking or expressing ourselves on these social media platforms. Like I don't do a lot of interacting on there because I find it really 
tedious and I don't have time. But I do read a lot. And I get to read a lot of the things that are going on. And I have to stay abreast of like, you know, a lot of the even celebrity news because I do that segment with my son on Fridays. That'll be tomorrow on TMZ. <clears throat> and I'm looking in, at the New York Post this morning. And I'm trying to figure out if I feel bad for Oprah Winfrey and The Rock, right? Because they got pilloried on social media platforms because they were asking their fans to donate money to help the people that were affected by the Maui wildfires. And they both have, you know, big spreads there. And what the people online were saying was, wait a minute, between the two of you, you have a combined net worth of more than 2.8 billion with a B dollars, billion, not million, billion dollars. So almost $3 billion between the two of them. And I'm sure most of it is Oprah's. So apparently, Oprah was on uh, CBS Mornings talking to her best friend, Gail King, who wouldn't have that gig except that she's Oprah's best friend. And Oprah said, I was so excited about it. You know, just trying to get money raised for the people in Maui. And I opened up, the next morning, I opened up my computer and I saw all this vitriol and I was like, whoa, what happened? It made me sad that we are at this state in our country. Now, remember, when Dolly Parton organized a support fund to aid victims of wildfires in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, back in 2017, nobody said anything. And to be very, uh, you know, upfront, Oprah Winfrey and The Rock, he, you know, kicked in together $10 million to launch the People's Fund of Maui. And then they went on their Instagram and TikTok. I don't even know what they went on, but whatever social media platforms they got people following them on. And that's where they said, you know, why don't you join us and donate money and we can help the people in Maui. Well, I was watching this Tuesday and yesterday, what was happening on, on the internet. Not, not even Tuesday. Actually, it started immediately on last, I guess it was last month at the end of August. And people went crazy. They were saying things like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I live paycheck to paycheck. And you guys have multi-million dollar mansions in Maui. Why are you asking us for money? I'm broke. I thought you two got this. You know, billionaires asking for money from the poor is not actually going to render a lot of support. And the fact that they're that out of time, and trust me, like I said, they donated $10 million or I don't know, a bunch of dollars. You know, I think it was 10 million was the figure that I last heard that between The Rock and Oprah, they had they had launched this whole project with 10 million dollars, okay? It's a lot of lot of lot of money. But what they don't understand is that to them 10 million dollars is like 10 bucks to the rest of us 
And there are people who don't have 10 bucks. I was in Big Lots today, you know, and it's funny because I, I'm, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination uh, in struggle mode right now. I mean, that could happen. Things aren't getting better. But right now I'm okay. You know, I still work. I'm, you know, social security age. Um, I have Medicare. So my, for the most part, my medical bills are covered. I do have supplements and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, I very much um, am not struggling right now. But the idea that I'm in big lots today following around a young woman. I mean, she might've been in her thirties to me. That's young. Maybe she was in her forties, still young to me. And she's with her mother who looked closer to my age, probably in her sixties, seventies, somewhere in that ballpark. And they've got a shopping cart and they're walking around. And the younger woman says to one of the guys who's working there, how much are these paper towels? You know, it's like a big, you know, bunch like eight rolls or something. And he says, $10. And she looks at him and goes, well, that's not much of a savings. I'm getting very conscious of cost. She starts to tell this man very, you know, politely. She wasn't yelling at him or anything. She was just saying, no, you know, I have to be really conscious and we're just going to have to go. She tells her mother, we're just going to have to go over to Costco or BJ's or I forgot one of those big box stores or Walmart, she said, and get them because I can get them and get the same amount of uh, paper towels for, you know, $8 instead of $10. And I got to be conscious about those things right now. And I look in on in her cart because, of course, I'm always fascinated. I'm trying to figure out what's going out here. I wish that Oprah and Dwayne and everybody else would try and figure out what's going out because then they wouldn't dare put up a you know a, a a TikTok video asking people who are shopping at Big Lots for groceries to you know help the people in Maui. I looked in that woman's cart. Uh, granola bars. So now I know she's got kids. Um, definitely like big boxes of cereal. Uh, you call, what do you call that? Uh, powdered milk, Neato or whatever. It's like you can make milk with water. She had three or four packages of rice. She had, I'm trying to else what else was in there. There wasn't any junk food. Like There were no snacks other than those granola bars that I could see. There was Now, they sell discounted loaves of bread and hot dog buns and things like that, but they were all out. And I asked the lady at the checkout, I said, there's no buns and no, no bread. She goes, man, people are buying that stuff up. They're buying it and they're you know, freezing it because they, they can get a loaf of bread for a buck. And they go on to Publix or Winn-Dixie's and it's three bucks, you know, and they, they just can't afford it. It's just, it's that inability to understand what it's like for everybody else that I think caused all this ruckus towards Dwayne, The Rock, and Oprah. Like, let somebody else start a fundraiser like that and say, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I'm just a, a regular working person, but I'm going to put $50 in this fund. And if you can afford to put $10, you know, if enough of us do this, we'll have a nice size fund and we can help the people in Maui. Like, 
I do that all the time. I see GoFundMe pages all the time for people who can't afford like things they need or to take a kid to Joe DiMaggio or there's, there's always some tugging of my heartstrings going on. And so I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who doesn't give. I do give, but I don't want to be asked by Oprah. I just got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't want Oprah asking me. I don't want billionaires asking me to send money, to donate money when they couldn't hope to get as much money as Dwayne and Oprah can give without even losing a minute's sleep over it. Okay, if the rest of us all did the best we could and gave $5, $10, $1, it would take months for us to raise their what they have in petty cash, okay? And we know that. And they don't seem to know that. They would actually create a video asking people who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are shopping at big lots and can't afford to buy $10 in you know paper towels, have to think that through. You, you expect that woman to send, to send money to the, the victims in Maui? Her heart probably breaks for them. And if she had an extra five bucks, she'd probably send it to some fund. But the idea that you don't know she doesn't have an extra five bucks. I, I was just looking at some people in my area, seniors living in a fixed in, on a fixed income in a senior community. And they're all like, what am I going to do? I can't afford a property. I'm going to have to go without, without uh, apartment insurance. And I'm going, no, you don't want to do that. What if there's uh, you know, a flood? What if something happens? I can't afford it. They said, I cannot afford it. So you don't want Oprah asking them for a donation. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's what's the word? When you, when you don't have any sense of what somebody else might be going through, it's not even remotely empathetic or understanding. They live in these ivory towers. It's like our politicians. You know, it's okay if you use crack and buy a gun until it's not okay. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. So I was trying to figure out, you know, um, if if anybody is actually paying attention to the immigration issue anymore because it's really heating up. And I don't think people are at all aware of some of the things that have just happened in the last 24 hours. How about that? Nearly 150 Adult Senegalese migrants are among the thousands of border crossers in Arizona's Tucson sector who are now being released into the interior of the United States by this administration. They had 2,000 illegal crossings in one day, and many of them were adults from Africa. And when you look at this video, we still have it in our heads, and this is what has always disturbed me, because I've been down to the border a number of times over the last 20 years. And you will always hear people say, well, you know, the people are coming from Mexico and the people are coming from the, uh, you know, maybe, you know, they think of it as South American, Central American, Honduras. You know, they, they come up with all these very poor 
Spanish countries. But you look at this video of people crossing the border right now, and I've seen this for decades already, and that is not who's crossing the border primarily anymore. You have these 148 from Senegal. You have hundreds from the Far East. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a very, 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 very long trip. Bill Malugin, who's, you know, one of my favorite Fox News correspondents, he was on X and he was talking about how street releases of migrants who crossed illegally are beginning today in the Tucson, Arizona sector due to the fact that the Custom Border Patrol facilities are over capacity. They saw over 2,000 illegal crossings yesterday in a 24-hour period of time. So mass releases are underway. They had a cameraman in the sector, and you could see single adult men from Africa have been crossing illegally, including the 148 from Senegal, and people from all over the world arriving. I was looking at some footage, I guess over the weekend, over last weekend, and there were all these, I, I don't know, what part of the Far East they were from. Many of them looked Korean, some looked Chinese, some looked maybe Vietnamese, Cambodian. I mean, I mean, all these different kinds of people. It's not like just Chinese people. All different kinds of Asian people crossing the border. How do they get to the southern border? Could somebody tell me how a guy from Senegal gets to Cochise Can County? That's what's happening. This is very risky for the immigrant, for the migrant, and very risky for our communities. They have abandoned all of the American people's needs. This is outrageous that leadership in this country only pays attention if Mayor Eric Adams in New York says, uh, well, we can't handle all this. This is a very slippery slope when you stop paying attention and you allow just about anybody to cross that border. Forget it when they tell you, oh, well, you know, you don't want to stop the flow of people who are babysitting your kids or cleaning your hotel rooms. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about migrants from all over the world who have a completely different idea of what is not just legal, but what is decent. You know, I remember when Donald Trump was so lambasted for saying, well, you know, they open up their jails and let in rapists and criminals. They, they do that. In case you haven't noticed that there were migrants being released into this country over the last three years that were with drug cartels that we're bringing drugs into this country and we've got people dropping like flies, fentanyl overdoses. And come on, I want to know how all these African migrants get to the border. And then they give them a notice to appear. Okay, what do they really think that's going to accomplish? If you're releasing these migrants into Cochise County, 
if DHS is just freeing them into Cochise County, for instance, because they have no room for them in the facilities along the border, do you really think they're going to show up for these <laughs> notice to appears? How do they get here without money? You know, people who come from Senegal, it's one of the poorest places on earth. It's not like the educated people from Senegal are coming over. How do they get here? I want to know how they get to the southern border. Apparently, nobody's even curious. Nobody's asking that question in Washington. I'm just so tired of their inability to understand why we are upset about these things. You know, they, they think if they just say, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're not nice, you, you're not Christian, they think if they say that, that you'll be afraid to speak up. You must refuse to comply. You got to stop being afraid to speak up. You have a right to ask your congressmen, your senators, your mayors, your governors. You have a right to ask them, how did those Senegalese males, young adult males, get to the southern border? What is the route? Who paid for their trips? Because I think it's important. And the fact that I have a political class that doesn't think it's important tells me everything I need to know about the upcoming election. You got to get rid of the people who don't understand that we're suffering and we're tired of it. We want to be the first thing on your mind in the morning, not the, uh, you know, the how many uh, transgendered military personnel were allowed in yesterday. We don't care. You don't care. We don't care if they're in or out. Then you see these nuts all over the state of Florida. I just saw a story this morning about some woman in on the other coast of Florida who puts her two-year-old kid in a car, uh, leaves him alone in a running car while she goes swimming at a fishing pier on Pine Island. Leaving a kid unattended in a motor vehicle that's on? She parked her car and then turned up the radio volume. I guess so nobody could hear her kid, but he wasn't even screaming. He was just like watching TV or a screen or something. She jumps in the water. She left the AC on, isn't that nice? And people are telling her, get out of the water. We got fishing hooks in the water and there's sharks in the water. And she yells back, I don't care about the hooks and I, I want to get hooked and I I'd like to meet sharks. People are nuts and getting nuttier by the moment. And it's not going to get any better, I can tell you that, until Donald Trump is back in the White House. All right, don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. And then we'll have all the overnight guys tomorrow morning. Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade, and then followed by the Dan Bongino Show. And then I'll be back at 3 o'clock tomorrow. So you're pretty safe with your dial right where it is. Give me a break, and I'll come back and finish up the show. How they believe they're going to get away with some of this stuff is really just unbelievable to me. Right now, the White House is demanding that the media target Republicans with more scrutiny over the Biden impeachment probe. They literally called on media organizations 
to target House Republicans with more scrutiny over their impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Now, mind you, they have launched multiple impeachment inquiries against Donald Trump and even post-election impeachment inquiries. And at no point did Donald Trump send a memo to media outlets to target Adam Schiff or Nancy Pelosi or anyone else. But a memo was sent to media outlets and they unfortunately uh, sent one to the Epic Times who said, uh, the, the memo says, comes from Ian Sams, Ian Sams. He said, it's time for the media to ramp up its scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies. You mean like Russian collusion? Those kind of lies? That they accused the congressional Republicans of for years trying to muddy the waters by making supposedly spurious allegations against President Biden, putting false premises in people's feeds and obscuring the truth. Really? Like Russian collusion? Those were the lies. And by the way, the stuff they're calling lies in this impeachment inquiry? Well, the FBI Director Christopher Wray confirmed there's a document that alleges that President Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national. It's been well documented that in 2015, when he was vice president, he traveled to the Ukraine and threatened to withhold $1 billion in U.S. aid unless the Ukrainian officials agreed to fire Viktor Shokin, the, uh, who was then prosecutor general. We've seen the videotape. So what are you talking about? How can you say they have no evidence for an impeachment inquiry? They got a hell of a lot more evidence than the uh, Pelosi factor had against Donald Trump. There's nobody in America, including Democrats, who don't believe that Hunter Biden was up to his eyeballs in selling access to his father called his father the brand. Okay? Come on, guys. It's a culture of corruption, the Biden family. So, you know, give me a break. How dare they tell the media that, that they should target Republicans for doing what they did to Donald Trump with no cause? Thanks to the two brave IRS whistleblowers, because otherwise... The Justice Department would have sat on all the evidence, but those whistleblowers had documents, and they showed that there were investigations into the Biden family that had been held back one way or another, and they said that in the House Ways and Means Committee uh, meeting, and, and they testified to that under oath, that the Justice Department and the IRS used a whole lot of methodology to delay the probes into Hunter Biden's tax fraud, including denying requests by the U.S. attorney to bring charges and letting the clock run out so that it reached the statute of limitations. That's right, Gary Shapley. Those guys were telling the truth. But of course, the media is being told, do not report on this. <laughs> you, can't. you can't. You can't make this stuff up. They're all tone deaf. That's what my friend said I should use with Oprah and with Dwayne The Rock. These people are tone deaf. 
they really don't speak the same language as us, so they don't hear what we're saying. Well, May, thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow to finish off this week at three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.